Oh, so let me get this straight. Deep Root Pinball can't get one game out the door. And Spooky Pinball can get two on the same exact date? Halloween and Ultraman. Now, that was the Ultraman theme song remix. Now, I'll tell you right now, honestly, you could have put any Japanese sort of anime-like song in front of me and been like, is this the Ultraman song? And I would have been like, yup, it is. And you would have been like, nope, it's not, because that's how much I know about Ultraman. But I will say this. What an exciting day to see these two new games from Spooky Pinball. And I want to give you my first impressions of these two titles. Now, they are kind of the same title, the same layout, the same sort of features, but completely opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to theme selection. Just looking at both of them, stepping back and looking at both games, my God, they both look amazing. I texted Chuck immediately after seeing both games and said these games really do look gorgeous and I do think Spooky Pinball with every one of their new releases has always raised the bar on their pinball machines. Now what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast and this is a little bit tricky. I want to talk about my first impressions of two games which are basically the same game. And I want to talk not just about my first impressions of the game and what we saw today and what I saw today. I want to talk about what this launch means in the pinball marketplace. Do I think they're going to sell all of these games? This is easily the most ambitious move by Spooky Pinball ever. They didn't just take a baby step here. This is a huge leap forward with the amount of titles they're offering and the variety of games they're offering, and the kinds of themes they're offering right now. This is a huge moment in Spooky Pinball's history. And I want to discuss like what I think people's reaction is to this. And I've been reading the forums, and I've been reading what people are saying, and I think Spooky Pinball, once again, is exercising and flexing its weight in this pinball hobby. This tiny little company, in Benton, Wisconsin. It's always been sort of like the David versus Goliath company, but it's no longer David. It's no longer tiny, but it's still behaving like, but they are still behaving like a friendly member of the community. And I think the years and years of goodwill that Spooky Pinball has built up with the pinball community is going to pay off for them. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, it should. This is where their ship comes in a little bit. This company has so much positive energy surrounding it that I don't care if you like or hate these themes. I don't care if you want to see how deep the code is. You cannot deny that the greatest thing you can do in a small little niche community like this is win people over, make them friends, and get them excited to show their support for your company. Let's just start right there before I dive into the titles, okay? Because I don't think there's another pinball company out there where I really see the love and admiration people have for them quite like Spooky Pinball. Now, I want to play devil's advocate. I also think that there are a lot of you out there that could care less that this little company from Benton, Wisconsin is making pinball machines. And for some of you pinball purists out there who just want the best shooting game with the best balance rule sets and deep rule sets and themes you love, it doesn't really matter to you. You look at a company like Stern who's crushing it and that is good enough for you. 
there are people out there, and I agree with a lot of like what the detractors will say, is there just hasn't been a spooky game that is shot amazingly well. I agree with that. This machine, we don't know how it shoots. So I think as we talk on this pinball podcast, I want everyone to remember that. We don't know yet how enjoyable it is to play this game. I don't know how enjoyable it is, and neither do you. So all of us out there have to collectively be somewhat reserved in any statements of finality because we don't know. But this is pinball, and the order banks open up on Thursday. You know what that means? You have to pull the trigger on Thursday before you know how the game plays. This is why theme is so important, and this is why a company's fan base is so important because people are going to buy these games regardless of theme. Some people will buy it because they love Halloween. Some people will buy it because they love Ultraman. There's not as many of those people. We know this. And some people will just buy it because they want to support Spooky Pinball. Now, what Spooky needs to do is get enough people from those three camps to order these games. Now, let's start with how many games they are going to make available because this is the most ambitious launch to date for Spooky Pinball. They're going to make 1,250 Halloween titles. Now, that is almost double the amount of Rick and Morty's they made. Almost double. I think it's like 75% more than Rick and Morty machines. Arguably, Rick and Morty has a much larger contemporary fan base than Halloween. I would argue that it's a bigger franchise. Absolutely. It, it must have cost them more money than Halloween. They will also make 500 Ultramans. That's a grand total of 1,750 pinball machines that they are promising to people within 18 months. Now, if you think about it, they promised 750 Rick and Mortys in 18 months. So 1,000 more games on top of that during the same time. That is a huge, huge expansion for Spooky Pinball. That means they're going to have to have twice as much space, twice as many shifts, twice as many people making these games. And we know they are expanding and they've built a new building next door. And so they know what it takes to make a game. Now, before I get into the games themselves, the only thing I would say is, as this company expands and puts the pressure to make that many games in 18 months, a few things I would be thinking about. Will they be able to maintain quality as they grow that quickly? Are these new employees that they're bringing in to make these games, are they going to be as trained? And does Spooky trust these people to do the job that needs to be done? Because as we know, pinball quality is one of the things that means the most nowadays to everybody. A game with poor quality will spoil a company's reputation. And guess what? It should. If your quality is not there, you deserve for people to walk away from your company. And I can tell you, you know what I'm thinking about. I know what you're thinking about. The greatest pinball machine that won all the awards last year, a dark 
quality cloud hangs over Guns N' Roses that just won't go away. But we're not here to talk about Guns N' Roses. We're here to talk about Spooky Pinball. So do I think they're going to sell 1,750 games come Thursday morning, 10 a.m. Central Time when the order banks open? Now, I know there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of excitement on Pinside. There's a lot of excitement on my Facebook Lives. There's a lot of people that are jazzed up. Guess what there's not? There's not 1,750 people on my Facebook Live or on Pinside chiming in. It's you and me and the diehards, okay? Now look, I don't think they're gonna sell every single one of these in day one. This is not Mandalorian. This is not Ghostbusters. This is not Iron Maiden. This is not Guns N' Roses. Halloween and Ultraman, I mean this, both of these themes are not take my money now kind of themes for a mass mainstream audience. They're not. Stranger Things is. Mandalorian is. Game of Thrones is. It's not this. So how well these games will sell on day one seems to be something people are heavily speculating. And I want to deconstruct why. I think what's happened in the pinball world, and it's fun. I mean this. It is fun to get caught up in getting a game, right? Just getting a game on day one is something that's a lot of fun. Stern Pinball has so geniusly made so many people feel like they've accomplished something because they will take your 9,200 bucks for an LE. There's this sense of satisfaction when you lock down a game that you know is limited. There's only going to be this many in the world and I got one of them. That is the art of FOMO and that is the greatest thing that these pinball companies use to get you to buy their games immediately. I'm going to make a guess and I might be right and I might be wrong, but I don't think all 1,750 games are going to be spoken for in day one. And I'm going to give you my rationale why I don't think these games are going to sell out day one because here's why. First and foremost, they're built on the same platform. So nobody is going to buy both. I, I don't think anyone is going to buy Halloween and Ultraman. Okay, so now I don't just need 1,250 buyers. I need 500 separate buyers to go all in on Ultraman. And I also believe that if you're like me, you don't really care that much about either theme. And I think most people fall into this camp. Now, I don't care about either theme that much, but what I do want to do after being what I've been through in 2021 with Jersey Jack Pinball, what I do want to do is I want to show support for Spooky Pinball. And if I'm someone who just wants to show support to this company, it's easy for me. I'm going in on Ultraman because I know I don't like horror movies. I don't want a guy holding a knife staring at me every day. Mike Myers and his whole storyline does nothing for me. I love Akira, I love Japanese culture. So for me, I love the Ultraman campiness and the quirkiness of that theme because for me, that's more in line with the kind of campy vibe I want for pinball. So I might be in Camp Ultraman simply because I want to support Spooky. Here's an interesting question. How many of you out there would buy an Ultraman pinball machine if Stern made it? The answer would be probably almost nobody. 
only spooky pinball can get away with this and they are going to get away with it and they're going to sell all 500 ultramans easily and the reason why they're going to get away with it and i told this to chuck it's not so much about ultraman it's more about people want to support this company and anything you put in front of them that is somewhat appealing they will find a way to get jazzed about it and show support. And I think a lot of people out there, I mean this, a lot of us probably weren't the biggest Rick and Morty fans to begin with, but when we saw that Spooky was making this game, we wanted to be more of a fan. We wanted to understand the franchise, and we wanted to show Spooky we supported their company for obvious reasons. This is crazy. I'm going to say this. I also think the Ultramans might sell out of all 500 before all the Halloweens are spoken for. This is me fully guessing on it, but I think because there's only going to be 500 and it's the rarer game, I think more people are just collectors and buyers who want something new to enjoy and a new game to experience. I think they're going to have maybe more fun exploring Ultraman than exploring Halloween. Now, I, again, this is just me predicting this occurrence. But I don't think all of them are going to sell out day one. I think it's going to take at least a couple weeks to sell all of these games. And if I'm wrong, congratulations, Spooky Pinball. You nailed it. If I'm wrong, it could be a byproduct of where we are with pinball these days, right? It's like the secondhand prices of games have gone through the roof. These are the cheapest new in box, fully featured games you can get today. We're gonna get to the games, but I don't wanna talk a ton about the games and the features because it's all online and I haven't played it. So it's literally just us looking at pictures, pretending like we know how fun the game is. We don't, so I'm not gonna pretend. The other thing that I want to talk about, because you know me, every once in a while I'll buy a pinball machine and sell it for a profit. Do I think there's profit to be made here by scalping a spooky machine? That means I could buy either game and sell it for more than I paid for it. And I don't think there's flip money here. I've been covering pinball for five years. I've been really good at predicting which titles could flip for a profit. I did not expect last year's price increase on everything, where even Stranger Things Ellie is flipping for a profit now. But there's just something about these two themes that I don't think right now you're going to be able to sort of sell them for more money. The only thing that could create that sort of situation in which you could make more is if these things immediately sell out. If there are more than 1,750 people who are trying to get these games, you know, all you need is 501 people who want Ultraman. And then if you want to get one, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. But I don't know if there's like over 1,250 Halloween fanatics who need the game and how many people will just be spooky supporters who will buy the game and what the numbers will be. Remember, Rick and Morty is a much bigger franchise than both of these. I would even argue that Rob Zombie is more popular for a lot of people in the pinball world than Ultraman. That Alice Cooper is also more popular to a lot of people than Ultraman. So it's going to be exciting. Here's what's exciting about this. As a marketer, the order banks will open and we will know for sure what the reality is. Now, so you know, 
Order banks will open up on Thursday for Fang Club members. I don't think it's too late to join the Fang Club. I don't. I think they will happily take your Fang Club dollars now. So you can buy direct from Spooky Pinball. You could also buy from your distributor who carries Spooky Pinball, but they will validate, hopefully, that you are a Fang Club member. So those are the two ways to get the game. They are not taking any phone orders, so you can't call up Spooky Pinball and get a game that way. All right, let's talk about the game. So let's start with Halloween. This was the main purpose of this design over the last almost two years. And let's talk about this layout. So we've got this game in which when you first look at it, the major thing that I think attracts your attention are these hedges to the left side of the game. And there are three hedges and Mike Myers pops out. And the way this works, it's like a -a whack-a-mole. When he pops out from the hedges, you need to shoot that shot. And I love the simplicity of this kind of thing. I love the visualization of this whack-a-mole sort of area of the pinball game. And this looks like a lot of fun to shoot. And I think what happens when you shoot it, I think it might lock the ball in each of those shots when you shoot them correctly, and that unlocks a multi-ball. So that's the first thing that stood out for me. The second thing that stands out when you look at this game are is this like triple level play fields. I love that this game is just popping up off of the play field in such a three-dimensional way. Now, this creates such a world under glass for me, and I and I absolutely love it. Now, let me play a little bit of devil's advocate. There's a lot going on with these upper play fields. But the entire center of the game is pretty empty. There's pretty much nothing in the middle of this game. And it is somewhat of a fan layout. If you look at the shots in this game, it's somewhat of a good thing. Spooky needs a game that shoots well. They need a game that's rewarding to shoot. And I think the biggest gripe of Rick and Morty was that it wasn't that satisfying to shoot. I feel that way about Rick and Morty. I owned it. This game looks much more satisfying to shoot. I also, looking at this game, these shots don't look overly tight. So I'm happy to see a fan layout that looks like it's going to have nice flow. Again, I don't know and you don't know. The next thing I noticed is the artwork on the game is very colorful. It's illustrated. And I think it looks great on both games. I really do. I think the Halloween artwork looks great. The cabinets look spectacular on Halloween. And the artwork was done by Jason Edmiston on the Halloween pinball machine. And so this game, from just a distance, it just really looks very, very good. Spooky has continued to make their games just aesthetically, aesthetically. Go look at America's Most Haunted and now look at this game. And tell me you're not excited by how much this company has improved over the years in making what is now a game that can sit next to any other pinball machine and look the part. I love the little details. I love that the shooter rod is the knife handle, right? You don't have to pay extra for that. It comes standard. I love the Halloween armor. I love that you get a topper with the game. But I will say this, spooky pinball, please do me a favor. People look at your toppers from the side. They still just have that RC motor sticking out with the wires hanging down. Please cover up these toppers a little bit, all right? Now that these are standard toppers, you're not throwing them in for free. I think they can do a little bit more to make these look better. I just keep looking at how the game is so vertical. 
and I love it that you're going up and up and then the ball comes back down. It just looks so fun to shoot this game. You've got drop bank targets where the targets actually drop, which is great. No more standard targets like a stern. All right, let me let me read for you what's in this game feature-wise. All right, seven pinballs, dual in-lane lifters, triple interactive Michael Hedge toy, four custom stainless ramps, Judith Myers tombstone drop target ball lock, which is like the Denise lock, lighted jack-o'-lantern drop bank, three upper play fields, one playable Smith's Grove sanitarium play field, one playable house play field, and one passive play field. 360 degree LED flashers, sculpted pumpkin with 360 LED flasher inside, custom metal ball drop down mech, dual spinner loop, 150 interactive RGB lighting, upper play field RGB lighting, and seven physical ball locks. Seven physical ball locks in this game. Are there even any physical ball locks in Mandalorian? This game, now, is there anything that has me concerned about this game? I would say, look, I think with all these upper play fields, I would be somewhat concerned about what the gameplay is going to be. Is it going to be too stop and go? Is there going to be enough flow in this game to satiate the people who love fast pinball action? The other thing that's a little bit concerning is these LED strips that are on these upper play fields. They just, there's something about seeing all those lights. They just look like Christmas lights on the game itself. I'm not sure I'm crazy about those. I think those look a little bit cheesy, if you were to ask me. Uh, I also think the artwork is a little colorful for Halloween. I, I, I was expecting something maybe a little bit darker, a little bit spooky, a little bit creepier. And then ultimately, for me, the biggest question mark is the code in the game. Because Bowen is not working on the rule sets and the code of this game, and I know Bug is working on this game, so I'm a little bit concerned about that, is will they create a rule set that will be rewarding? Because looking at a game and being impressed by how sexy it is and getting excited by all the features and all the mechanisms is one thing, but it ultimately comes down to the code is what wakes up all of those mechanisms and upper play fields. The code is going to be the thing that creates pinball moments because it's the code that drives the entire engine of pinball. And I hope to the pinball gods that this game has the code that's as exciting as what's on the play field and also the artwork that's in this game. And I, and I don't know yet, and you don't know yet, but that's a big question mark. The other thing that I was reading up on was, who are you in Halloween? Like, who do you play as? Apparently, you're not Michael Myers. You, you sort of, sometimes you're playing as Michael Myers, I think, to sort of kill people. And sometimes you're playing as other characters to escape from Michael Myers. So that's a little confusing to me. So is it just about playing scenes from Halloween and then racking up your score? And that is also why I think it's challenging when you use a movie like Halloween in which the main character is silent. I'm a little worried about the overarching narrative of the Halloween game. Like, what's the purpose of this game? Is it just to sort of have modes based on the film, which equals score, and that's it? Is there an end game? Is there a final wizard mode? What's the purpose of this game? Who am I as the player of the machine? 
it couldn't be more radically different to go from Halloween, you know, all of these pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns and knives and oranges to this colorful world of Ultraman. And looking at the Ultraman game, you know, you go from the Halloween world to a, a much more colorful and bright and sort of, I believe, inviting world of Ultraman. And it's so strange to see both of them on the same layout. I won't lie. I was a little bit taken back by like having two games arrive on day one like this. When Stern did this with Family Guy and Shrek, there were months, many, many months that passed between the two titles. And the reason they did it is that Family Guy wasn't family friendly and they wanted to sort of reskin it to make a broader audience for the game. This is like the reverse, right? It's different, right? Because they're expecting to sell more of the not family-friendly version of the game. Now, this also looks incredible. The cabinet artwork, the topper, the playfield artwork, everything in this game just jumps out and looks super, super fun. I love that where there were hedges in the Halloween game, there is now Tokyo City buildings where the characters pop out of. Everything about it is completely reskinned. Here's the thing about Ultraman. And as I'm going over this ultra colorful game and I'm seeing all this stuff, I have no idea what any of this is. Like it's hard to get excited about a theme where you don't know the narrative or the story at all, right? When I look at this game and it's like Balton Battle 1, Balton Battle 2, I don't know who Balton is. And then you get Battle one, two, three, Bemular battle. Who's Bemular? I don't even know how to say this. Is it Kaiju Rumble? You know, the Ultraman Kaiju Rumble. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's so gorgeous looking. And I'm still so confused by all of it. I don't have any cultural reference to any of this. And I think most of you are in the same boat. I mean, show of hands, how many of you out there could enunciate and pronounce these character names and they mean something to you? but you still want it. And that's the crazy part. A lot of us just look at it and we're like, all right, well, we want a fun pinball machine and this looks super fun. I'm happy to jump on it. And that's where I think it's at right now. Now, I will say there is a little bit of Thunderbirds going on with this game. And I don't mean it's gonna play bad like Thunderbirds, but a lot of it looks like Thunderbirds. A lot of this sort of, a lot of the fonts and the looks and the imagery and the arrows and the stars and the colors are very, very sort of Thunderbirds looking. Now, this is a different artist. It's Matt Frank who did the art on this game, and it looks amazing. And on both games, Matt at Back Alley Creations made the sculpts for both of these games. And so there's going to be only 500 of these, and they will also be available for sale come Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time. So to summarize, if, if, if I even made a point on today's episode, I think this is a great day for Spooky Pinball. I think it's great for us pinball buyers out there that we have two options now to choose from on one day. Are these the two themes you guys wanted? No. If this was Matrix and Big Trouble in Little China, you guys would be fighting over each other to get either one of them. If this were Matrix and Big Trouble in Little China, these prices would skyrocket on the secondhand market the next day. It's not that. Neither one of these is like a take my money now, no questions asked theme. They're not. These two games, maybe more than ever before, is us stepping into the mind of Charlie Emery. This is a passion build for Chuck. 
And I think he deserves to have this moment in which he gets to select the two games or two themes he would love to make and bring them to market. The market will determine whether or not his selections were appropriate and will be financially successful for the company. Now, he needs to get it right because now that they're committing to these many games with a new building and new hires and new people, that is going to be the next chapter in Spooky Pinball. With that many employees and these many games they need to make, they need to make sure that they put themes out in the world that will satiate people and will make people want to order that many games so Chuck can pay all those salaries for all the people that need to be hired to make all those games. So he can't only make games for Chuck moving forward. This is going to be a very interesting test. If come Thursday, these things sell out immediately, both of them, then if you're Charlie, then you just keep doing what you're doing. And there's no denying that some of this is his response to Stern Pinball taking the Godzilla license from him. They did. They took the Godzilla license from Spooky Pinball. They know that that's the theme that Chuck loves more than anything. And I think all of us collectively are still upset about that. I am upset about that. We know that Keith Elwin does not love Godzilla like the Spooky Pinball family. We know that Jody Dankberg doesn't. We know that George Gomez doesn't. We know that Gary Stern does it. They robbed Spooky of their ability to make their dream theme. And I think it's somewhat disgusting. I do. I know it's business. I know it was a shrewd business move. But it would be like if I had a pinball company and you know me as Canada, and you know that I want to make the Akira game, and Jody Dankberg walks in and takes the Akira theme from me simply because he's got all of Stern's muscle and all of Stern's pedigree to convince them to go with Stern Pinball. But you know deep down inside if anyone's going to make the greatest Akira Pinball machine, it's going to be a diehard fan like me. If anyone's going to do Godzilla justice, it's going to be a company like Spooky. Now, I will say three, four years ago, people might not have felt that way when they were looking at games like Rob Zombie. But I think looking at these titles now, Spooky Pinball continues to get better and better and better. Do they have work to do? Absolutely. Are they at the level of a Jersey Jack Pinball with their mechanical engineering? They're not there yet. But the more successful they are, the better they can hire more mechanical engineers and continue to improve their product. And it just makes everybody feel good. It's going to make everybody feel good on Thursday when they order their game because it's not just a purchase of these machines. It's an investment in Spooky Pinball and their future. And people feel good about that. I'm not going to lie to you. This is an embarrassing day for Deep Root Pinball, a company that could only sell 122 Razas to the world. Imagine if you're Robert and you're watching this enthusiasm for these games. These games must seem so simple and so pedestrian to Robert Mueller that I bet he's insulted that he took five years and all these millions of dollars and he could only sell 122 Razas. And where are they? And meanwhile, Spooky Pinball, this tiny little company, is about to sell 1,750 games, which is over 10 times the amount of games Robert Mueller can sell when he paired up with J-Pop. And that is why people feel good, because let me tell you, the good guys are winning here. 
the good guys are winning. Spooky Pinball is successful. They're going to continue to be successful. And all of the goodwill and good spirit they put into the pinball community is going to pay them back. And the other company I'm looking at, and this is a company at the crossroads, is Jersey Jack Pinball. They need to do the right thing. They know what the right thing is. They're not doing it right now. And that's going to come back to hurt them. It's going to come back to haunt them. It's not just about making your games fully featured. It's about standing with your customers in the right way, communicating to them in the right way, and treating them the way they should be treated even when things don't go your way. And this is pinball. It's very small. It's very small. Yes, Guns N' Roses blows these games away. It does. It blows these games away. But people are going to feel better about spending money with Spooky on Thursday than they do about ordering a Guns N' Roses machine today because they don't know what the quality is. And there's no way around that. And you got to fix that, JJP. you got to fix it. And accusing Canada of attacking you is not fixing the problem. And Stern Pinball is Stern Pinball is Stern Pinball. We're all always impressed by Stern's ability to manufacture and the pace at which they can manufacture. I mean, there's no way around the fact that Stern Pinball can make all of these games in four weeks' time. It's going to take Spooky 18 months. Stern Pinball does what it does. Now, I will say that I think Stern Pinball mails it in more than anybody else these days. And the reason they mail it in is not because they want to mail it in. It's because they're run by the bottom line. They are not trying to put as much as they can into the games. And I am going to say it. Mandalorian is a great example of a game where where is the magic under the glass? Where is it? Where is the magic in Mandalorian under the glass? I am far more excited to look at these spooky games than I am when I look at Mandalorian. At least Spooky tried to do stuff that was super creative and super unique, and we haven't seen a game before. There is no other pinball machine that you could look at that looks like this. When I look at Mandalorian, I don't see that. I don't see the pushing of the envelope anywhere. I don't see trying to do things completely new. I see Stern being a combination of designers having ideas, but then they're told to just grab the parts off the shelf Just put the Herman Munster magnet in front of Baby Yoda. Don't even make Baby Yoda animate it and just stick a static doll there and we'll call it a day. No, that's not good enough anymore. The fact that there's not more of an outcry for the lack of physical magic in Mandalorian is unbelievable to me. All of you just gave up on imagining what could be in that game. I can't. I can't even like wake up to it anymore. All right, and speaking about magic and speaking about an exciting day, I also want to tell all of you out there, I also want to let you know that I had a conversation with Iceman and we worked it out and everything is fine. As I said, I think all of these grown men in pinball, they get caught up in it. And if you just talk to each other like grown adults, everything works out. So that is cool. Here's the other crazy part is the more people attack Canada's Pinball Podcast, the more incredible support I get from the fans of this show. I want to quickly give a shout out to some of my new contributors to Canada's Pinball Podcast over the last couple of days. So Ryan W., Danny D., Graham F., Doug P., Miko M., Derek S., Dana H., Lee F., Jacob R., Oscar G., Jeff D., Bob K., Edwin P., Tomrod P, Wetson W, Gregory J, Justin C, Mike R, Nicholas P, Garth G, 
Conrad P, Gregory W, Tim P, Alex M, Raymond N, Tony V. It just keeps going on and on and on. And here's my new goal. Here's my new goal. Because when I came back, you know, people said I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. Here's what I think would be super funny. And, and, and I love doing goals like this. How many Razas did they sell? They sold 122 Razas. Now, how funny would it be if Canada's Pinball Podcast actually sold more subscriptions than Raza games were sold. And guess what? We are close, people. We have 112 active donators on Patreon. 112. So if we get 11 more, we will have sold more subscriptions to Canada's Pinball Podcast than Deep Root has sold of Raza games. And look, even $1 donated to Canada is more profit than Deep Root has ever made. Now, Robert, I'm looking at you, man. You got to get this game out. You got to get this game out. Millions of dollars in COVID money went to Deep Root. Guess how much money went to Canada's Pinball Podcast during COVID? None. I worked hard. I went to work every day. I got it done, and I found time to make this show what it is. And I want to say thank you to everyone out there who contributes. I got my fan base on PayPal. Thank you guys for the tax-free donations on PayPal. But have a good day. It's an exciting week. More to come on these spooky titles. We're going to cover them more. And this hobby is growing. And I love it. And you love it. And we're going to have more episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast real soon. This was episode 596. (laughs) 